and welcome to Please Don't Make Me Watch. So, Alice, how's your week been? My week has been fine, thank you, Sam. Um, I'm pretty relieved it's the weekend. Always good. More time to watch stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god, I went to see the RSC's Macbeth this week because I am cultured. How was it? It was terrible. It was so bad. Sorry, the RSC, I love you. But also, if you are planning to go see Macbeth, don't go see this one. It's awful. Noted. I was actually planning to go and see that with my sister. Were you? Because uh, you like Doctor Who, right? Yeah. Christopher Eggleston is... Chris Eggleston was in it. Right, okay. So Christopher Eggleston, I like him, but he's... He's not Macbeth. It's so confusing because this is the part that he should be amazing at playing. Mm. And he wants to be a serious actor. And he's all about this, like, actors from the North don't get enough opportunity. Yeah. He's not very good. Oh no. Oh, it's actually no. really sad. Um, it's just a jumble of everything. And they make all this stuff really funny in the middle of the bit where you're supposed to be so, I don't know, stressed out for Macbeth. You should be scared of Macbeth. I yeah, because Macbeth isn't a fun play. I mean, he kills so many people. Oh, fully. It's like, it's Game of Thrones level of death. Oh, 100%. Like, we're not talking Titus Andronicus or anything, but where we are just... talking heavy killing like they kill a child and it just was not like people laughed i was at a school's oh. performance so to be fair it was a lot of maybe kids. when um, they said what do you egg these 16 year olds were like <laughs> i suppose but tight sandronicus is a campy campiness yeah in the best possible way in such a good way oh my but god i love that play it's so funny yeah what about you what have you been up to oh well i think I've been sort of ruminating on culture. Ruminating? That's Basically meaning I haven't seen anything this week. Okay. <laughs> um, I have been enjoying the new series of The Good Place a lot. Oh, me too, actually. Although it's not the same now. It's not in The Good Place. Spoilers, sorry. Spoilers, but it's series three. You probably already know this by now. Yeah. But I'm still really enjoying it. I think I like Michael Schur a lot. I like his sitcom, so I like Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, Parks and Rec. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I didn't know he wrote yeah, one of those. Okay. He wrote some Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well. And I, I just enjoy them because they're funny, but they're not... A lot of American comedy, I find, gets quite sickly, at least for me, my taste. No, I agree. Whereas these... The, it's very much driven by the relationships between the characters and the characters are all fun and you don't mind which combination of characters. Yeah, I think so. that's something that American comedies do almost not better than British comedies. But different. Because I'm remembering Gavin and Stacey here and mm. like the ultimate comedy. But yeah, I think it's mm. they're very good at getting a lot of characters together and putting them in different combinations and yet somehow they always work. Yeah. I don't understand really. I, I guess that's the American dream, isn't it? All these people from different cultures, look, they come together. But a lot of the time it works. doesn't work, though. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, coming up this week on the podcast, we have Space Cowboys. We do. We do. Local shots. Child vampires. And contracts. Contracts, that's like, okay, yeah, you'll see. Yeah, you will see. You'll definitely <laughs> see. So Sam, how would you summarise your experience of this week's watching in one to three words? Varying pain levels. Wow, okay. It's quite insulting to me, but okay. You'll see, you'll see, you'll see. Um, okay, how would I describe this week? Intense, but enlightening. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued now. Are you? I am, oh. I am. Wow, okay. So first up, Alice. How did you find Firefly? 
Well, why don't you give us a bit of background to Firefly first, so people who yeah. don't know anything about it know. So, Firefly is a TV series written by Joss Whedon. It was coming off the back of the success of something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel between 2003. And it follows a group of people on a spaceship called Serenity, um, who are living in sort of a pioneer-esque culture. Hence, space cowboys. Very much a human drama. Um, and I think, I think what, it's main strength. And um, how did you find it? So, I've never seen Buffy the Vampire or Angel. Neither so have I, I'm very much, And I haven't even seen the... Sorry, I'm a Shakespeare nerd, second time in one programme, wow. But I haven't even seen the Much Ado About Nothing, with the, directed by Joss Whedon. So I'm very much a newbie to this world. Mm. I enjoyed it, but I am not probably going to watch any more of it. Oh. I'm sorry. I understood why people fell in love with it, but at the same time, I don't think that it is a programme... Like, I don't watch westerns, and mm. I don't really watch that kind of sci-fi. I like sci-fi that's almost, like, dystopia, and you don't know what's going to happen, and, and it's set on Earth, and things go wrong. Yeah. And I it's very that. much rooted in reality, and I found it weird to have a drama set in space, but everyone was basically human, if you see what I mean. Yeah. I, I think that's why I like it so much, because, I mean, I love sci-fi. I was raised on Star Trek Next Generation... I really enjoy it when sci-fi goes places that I wasn't expecting it to. When you hear Space Cowboys as a description of the show, you think they're going to be fighting aliens and hmm. running around with laser guns, and it's it's not that. It's more like if you've transplanted the idealised version of the Old West in space. Yeah, that's a really accurate description. But I think maybe it's a lack of empathy on my part. I find it very difficult to empathize with people either in the wild west or mm. in space so to put them together was like two situations where i just was like i don't know what i don't know why you're doing this to yourselves just obey the government <laughs> i'm so rule abiding wow yeah i see i i think that it works though because the cast is so strong and the relationships yeah. between the characters so strong actually similar to what we talked about with the good place a little bit earlier is they put the characters in different combinations. I know you only watched episode one. Yeah. But the characters all kind of interact and circle around each other. So sometimes you'll have the captain and the engineer as a pairing. Sometimes you'll have the doctor and the companion as a pairing. And then everyone flips around. And I think that works really well for this show. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. And I loved the... Oh, it's awful. I can't remember her name. But there was... Kaylee. Kaylee. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Um... Yeah, Kaylee is like the engineer, the engineer yeah. and she's such an amazing character because she she's very likable, but yet clearly very intelligent. Very driven. Very driven. And conf it's kind of confusing because I didn't know how she fit into the group as a whole. Mm. I think it's, we're conditioned to kind of look for relationships and yet there didn't seem to be any but they clearly all had a relationship with each other. They were clearly all bonded together. Yeah, as it, they, there were still relationships there in terms of friendship levels, but I feel like we are conditioned to look for romantic relationships, and there were very few will-they-won't-they. They. Now I say that, I think I'm wrong. I think it definitely sets up a lot. The issue... It sets up a lot, but that didn't feel like the main conundrum of the show. No. Um, I feel like the main conundrum definitely circles around the character of River, 
which is explored more in the film that was made based on this TV series called Serenity, um, also by Joss Whedon, but later in the timeline of the show. Um, because unfortunately the show was cancelled only after 12 episodes, which is... Which you'll know if you've watched The Big Bang Theory or... Have spent any time with a nerd. Yeah, they go on about it a lot. It's a, it's a point <laughs> of contention because it is... It's one of the great what-ifs is if Firefly had carried on, would it have been dreadful? Or would it have been this sort of shining beacon of television? Yeah, I can see I can see why that happened. Mm. But I also don't understand the, the insane loyalty towards it from okay. this whole group of people. I get why people liked it, but maybe that's just from watching one episode. I can you, do, you think this, do you think our whole premise of this show is a fallacy? I think, it, for me, it took me two episodes to get into it. Because the first episode, I think, it has to do the job of setting up the world, which is essentially Earth fails and <laughs> everyone has to leave. They find a new system... And essentially, the two superpowers that are left are America and China. So a great way that they get around censors in the show is that all of the swearing is in Chinese. <laughs> Which, you, if you don't realise that, you think, hang on, why are they suddenly breaking out into Mandarin randomly in this sentence? Well, I was confused about that, and then I thought, maybe this is just to show that he's really clever. <laughs> I clocked pretty quickly, oh, this is swearing, great. <laughs> Because obviously... I'm not as bright as you, I'm afraid. I think you haven't watched as much sci-fi as me. I've watched a lot of sci-fi. Because a lot of sci-fi, especially something like Star Trek, Star Trek is, here we are in this universe. Let us all live in harmony. Whereas what I like about Firefly is, Firefly is, no, everyone's awful in their own way. Let's just try and get by. And I think that works so well with Firefly. Yeah, and I like the darkness in it. Like the, Mm. what are they called? The The Reavers. The Reavers. Yeah, the Reavers, that, that's a very dark concept to come up with. Yeah. I won't spoil it, but they go into detail of what these oh. Reavers who are kind of... People gone mad on the edge of space. Yeah, can do to you. And that is very graphic. Mm. It's very graphic, but it's played off so well as a joke as well, because there's like that punchline in it, and you just think, that's genius. What? Oh, it's, it's description, description, description. And if you're very, very lucky, uh, they'll do it in yeah. that order. Yeah, I already remember. Which I still... The Firefly has so many little lines that I just think are so great. From All all the characters have their own sort of comedic moments. And I think it's what endeared people so much to Joss Whedon in The Avengers. It's these yeah. little comedic touches, these kind of quips that go Because I'm not a big superhero person either. Neither am I. Although I've seen a few. But it seems to me like... He clearly moves the genre forward mm. by realising that they don't have to be darkness all the time. I feel like they went through phases, so you had like the comic book kind of one. Yeah. And then you had like Batman Begins the Christopher being Nolan inspired. Ones. Well, Christopher Nolan and Christopher Nolan inspired where it's like, yeah. everything is so dark and depressing. Mm. Like, this is how we make people take these superheroes seriously. And then now we're in this era of... Campy fun. Campy fun, yeah. Where Black Panther is being made, which yeah. is a very... Like deals. I mean, we're moving forward now. Mm, I think it's definitely. a campy films that deal with very big issues, such in, as Black Panther. Yeah. Which I, I mean, you have to kind of sympathise with Michael B. Jordan. I think. Yeah, I partially think because that does that does. I think Black Panther does such a good job of making you sympathise with the villains. But I think going back to Firefly. What, Sorry. Yes. <laughs> what Firefly does in terms of that is it also makes you sympathise with people who, in any other thing this crew would be the bad guys. Yeah. They're, 
Go but on. I feel like we've seen that before. But also, also I think you because there is there is the character of Yanara who's very much sort of she's just there because she needs to get around, mm. and she's running this legitimate business alongside their criminal enterprise yes. of the ship, and she's I think almost the sort of voice of conscience in the cast. Yeah. And that's, I think, again, going back to the cast making it so strong, is that every character... Every is, character feels fully fleshed out. And it works really well. And yeah. I I love the word. I think also what I do like is that it doesn't make space look glamorous. It makes space look grungy and kind of dirty. And I just, for some reason, after, again, watching Star Trek, you watch Star Trek, space is pristine. <laughs> you watch this, space is dirty. The ship is falling apart. It rattles. And I, I like that element of it. Yeah, but I found that made it so unrealistic. Really? Yeah, I just... I mean, not that I know very much about space travel, to be fair, but... How, how, I mean, how... You can't have a... Surely you can't have a rocket that's, like, rattling and letting, like, air in and things. Oh, fully. If Can you? If you watch... Um, recently, the film First Man about Neil Armstrong. Oh, no, I haven't seen You it. watch... I went to see that recently. It's really quite good. And the ship just rattles the whole way up because obviously you're basically but it's the idea that they can just walk around as if they're just on an aeroplane or something there's no concession to the fact that they are actually in space so like I don't know it's sci-fi but it feels like without the science it's more mm. it, it, it definitely feels less there's no explanation maybe this comes later on but for mm. how they got there and how this system is working and how yeah. how they are surviving there there is a whole episode that is that okay because it feels like there's this big gap where you think well You've, you've made a western mm. in space. The characters are great, I give you that. But what, what, where was the need for this? Like, What mm. is the need for you to not put these characters in another situation where perhaps they're a bit more, I don't know, relatable. I hate that word. Yeah, but the episode Out of Gas, I think, really explores that a lot. Okay, maybe I'll watch that. Maybe right, let's move on to my TV show. Um, so, Sam, how did you find the first episode of The League of Gentlemen? Gentlemen is one of my ultimate favourite shows. It's a British sketch comedy show which originally ran between 1999 and 2002, but there have been recent very excellent episodes. It was created by four guys um, Jeremy Dyson, who never appears in the show, and then three um, people who star as all the other characters um, Mark Gatiss, who you might know from Doctor Who and Sherlock fame. Um, Steve Pemberton and Reese Shearsmith and those last two work together on some of my absolute favourite shows which we will discuss at a later date um, it's set in a fictional town in northern England called Royston Vasey which is based on a place in Cumbria and it follows the lives of very bizarre characters all of whom are played by the show's writers kind of think a much weirder and more surreal Little Britain yeah. I suppose but it's kind of crossed with the surrealness of the Mighty Boosh and a bit of the like ridiculousness of Monty Python. Yeah. That's how I'd describe it. Def- I it definitely, watching it, it felt very much like a, a progression from Python. Because mm. I And think, I love Monty Python, yeah. so hence why I like this. I mean, I, I love Python as well, and I, I find it weird, I find it weird that I hadn't actually seen this before, but you sort of see with Python that kind of, it spans sort of two broad brushes of Britcom where you have the much darker side, which the League of Gentlemen has definitely fallen into, and then the much more surreal side with stuff like the Mighty Boosh. With... But that's not to say there's no 
surrealness yeah. in the League of Gentlemen because oh my god, wow. some of it is <laughs> mental. With I found, as I said, this week's watching was various pain levels, and this was painful just to watch some of it because it was so dark. But I was very transfixed by it because I am someone who gets scared at literally anything. Yeah, and. It's really odd to me that I find this so fun to watch. But it is so, like... It's it's very good. I very much sort of see it. I feel like we need to give it. examples of how it's dark. Well, I think... I think <sighs> it's just everyone in it seems so depressing. Mm, the oh, I mean, I think the sketch for me that stood out was the local shop the, sketch. This is a local shop for local people. Which is very timely, considering the current mess that is happening with Brexit. And if you watch the recent episodes, they definitely mm. kind of draw that in. So this is a this is a woman played by Steve Pemberton called Tubbs. Tubbs and, and her husband played by Reese Shearsmith, um, and they run a local shop, shop for local people. And everyone who comes in who's not local, local. meets a sticky end, an interesting end. Yes. Um, and then there are just some really quite vile moments, like the bit with the Toad Man. Yeah. Is just oh, it made my skin crawl, but I couldn't stop watching it. I was very drawn towards it. But then, I also some bits were just ridiculously funny. Like in the first episode, the job seeker sketch. The job seeker sketch. Think um, the fat, like the weight, yeah, watchers, weight watchers thing from, little, from Britain. little Britain, but taken much further and also funnier. And funnier because yeah. I think my issue with Little Britain is that Little Britain, I think very much sometimes falls into the we're going to be disgusting for the sake of being disgusting. Yes. And there's no payoff in the later sort of joke. Whereas I feel like with this, everything had payoff. And I also think they're so clever um, in the background gags that they have. So every single piece of set, if you look at any poster, Mm. if you look at any book that's there, they have thought about everything. Everything. And it's all funny. Mm. It really reminds me of sort of seasons like three through 12 of the simpsons where you look in the background and a shop sign is a joke you look in the background and there's a comic that's a joke and all of these little things also uh, reminded me you can definitely see the influence on uh someone if you haven't read the air affair by jasper ford which is our favorite book (laughs) it's very much you can see that influence there i found some of it though was very hard to watch yeah. Um, it's it does not shy away from anything. It's not. Oh, but you wait, and if you watch yeah. the rest of it, the second season has a character who comes in, and you're like, "Wow, I I'm impressed mm. you went there." Like I I found the ske- I found the sketch in the restaurant so hard to watch where he won't finish oh, the joke. Gosh. Okay, so it's three men. Kind of businessmen. Businessmen. If you'll excuse my language, like banker wankers, but like oh, from a very small town, so they don't even have the kind of the money to back it up yeah, with. Yeah, and everything. <laughs> and it, it's, you just watch it escalate and escalate. And just thinking, this can't be going where it's going. This can't be going where it's going. Yeah. Oh, it's going there. Oh, no, it's going even further. Ah, ha. Oh, oh, I want this to stop, <laughs> but I can't stop watching. And I, that was the moment I sort of thought, I might. This was the point where I thought I might not keep watching it because of sketches like this, even though I thought the tubs. Because I like it because so it good. pushes me out of my comfort. Like as in, I'm, mm. it makes me very uncomfortable, and I watch it and I think I don't know if I want to watch this like car crash of a person's life. But I think 
one of the things I love about it is the actors are good enough. And they that, fully throw themselves in. I mean, you genuinely believe in these ridiculous Humans, characters. Yeah. that like They couldn't possibly exist, and yet when things go wrong for them, even though they're the worst people in the whole world, and mm. they look like physically they couldn't exist they because of the amazing makeup that they did. Mm. At the same time, I feel sorry for them. You do. And I think that's amazing. that Because, again, in later sketch shows and earlier sketch shows mm. as well, you watch bad things happen to people and they're, they're, the characters are flat enough mm. or evil enough that you kind of think, well, whatever, like, fine. Yeah. This, you deserve to have this done to you. Mm. Whereas in this one... You do connect with them, I find. You somehow sympathise with these awful, awful people. And I think that's another thing that I definitely see the influence of this in is Black Mirror. It's yes. early, early Black Mirror. I would say the pre-Netflix Black Mirror. Yeah, I love Black Mirror. Yeah, even, I mean, even I think even the Netflix episodes, I think Sanjay DiPero is amazing. Yeah. But I think sort of you're thinking stuff like the National Anthem where the Prime Minister has to have sex with a pig. Spoilers. Spoilers. It's the first episode. Yeah, I would the, recommend. It's great. Would recommend. And stuff like White Bear as well, where oh, she's... Oh, my God. Where, how she's getting punished. Oh you definitely God. see that as a continuation for the League of Gentlemen. Well, I think that's why... That's why you like it so much. I love the fact that it makes me empathise with people that mm. I just think, you're a nasty little piece of work. Yeah. And yet... And I kind of delight in watching something bad happen to you and yet feel awful. Feel awful. About, and I think that's really important that it can make you feel that. Mm. I think I think one thing that also really helps this is that um, Steve Pemberton, Reese Shearsmith and Mark Gatiss have such good chemistry as a trio. Yes. And you totally buy that they are the banker wankers, that they are the... Job seekers. The job seekers, that they are the aunt and uncle with yeah. the toads and the keys for everything that they are the local shop owners. And it it really makes sense why this caught on and why they were able to go and do things like Inside Number 9 and Psychoville as well. And Inside Number 9, Sam will be forced to watch it because it is, uh, yeah. I think Black Mirror, but better. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if I hit a lull in my Netflix, I will definitely keep on watching this. And I definitely see the quality of it. It's yeah. very good. But I can see why you wouldn't go out of your way to watch it unless... Because mm. it's one of the it's it is also one of those things that you can watch one episode and think I'm good. But I think that's what I like from TV though, and that's why maybe mm. Firefly isn't for me because it is very much like it's let's very... slowly see how this yeah. works out. And I quite like dipping in, dipping out. Yeah, I like the fact that I don't have to keep watching. Mm. I can kind of yeah dip yeah. in, dip out. I suppose. So Alice, moving on to the films. Yeah, how did you find Let the Right One In? So Let the Right One In is a Swedish film from 2008 directed by Thomas Alfredson based on the 2004 novel of the same title by John Lindqvist. Sorry, I <laughs> nice don't know how to pronounce this. Um, it follows the story of Oscar played by Kera. We should stress Hedda here Brandt. that it's in Swedish. That's why he can't pronounce the names. <laughs> uh, apologies. Uh, a 12-year-old boy who, uh, who is bullied and then who meets Ellie played by Lena Leanderson, a young girl who, spoiler alert, is a vampire. I think that's crucial. You do need to know yeah. that. Um, you might have heard of this film due to its American remake called Let Me In. Which has Chloe Grace, Grace Moretz as the vampire. Um, I have seen both. I think the Swedish original is better. So watch that one. 
I want to know what you thought of it because you said you're not a horror movie fan and this is a horror film. Yeah, I, I physically can't deal with horror movies. I mean, I saw a bit of The Quiet Place over someone's shoulder on a plane and I had nightmares about it for like two days afterwards. I, was, I loved A Quiet that Place. That is how much of a wimp we're talking. But I almost didn't feel like this was a horror movie in a really mm. weird way because it's... I see why you like it because, again, very mm. character-driven. And because the cinematography is so beautiful, it was so stylized that I almost felt like safe. Yeah. If that makes sense, safe from this vampire. And also, even though it's so gruesome and brutal, again, you kind of sympathise with um, Ellie. So. Yeah, and I think I think I mean it. Cinematography is a good point to raise because it does look gorgeous i mean so and you can see i don't know which one came first this or fargo but you can uh, see fargo came first right so if anyone's seen fargo the scene with like lots of blood on big snowy landscapes mm. you can definitely see that influence here and it and it just the direction of it it's set in kind of 1980 early 80s and you sort of see they get the period really well mm. and i this is one of my sort of top 10 favorite films just because I, again, I think similar to why I love Fireflies, I love the central relationship between Oscar and Ellie mm. because they build it up so well. And they take their time to build mm. it up as well. But it never drags. No. And But they also do build up the tension because obviously she's a killing machine. And they do show the fact that she's a killing machine in graphic detail. Mm. I mean, the it's weird because... The swimming pool scene is wonderful but horrific yeah wow that was it's i can't even really express it it's one of the most beautiful and horrific things i've ever mm. seen i just really wanted more of a sense of um oscar's familial i just found it so odd that no one was looking out for him i think that that's the point because i think that's why he formed such a close bond to this sort of eternal being because he wants that sense of belonging and companionship because he's not getting it from home. Yeah. He's not getting it in school where he's horrifically bullied. And I think the title is a really good reference of that. The American remake of this is called Let Me In. And I think that takes away from... Yeah, that really loses the ambiguity of mm. this title. Because who is the right? Is it, his, is it his mum? Is it the kids at his school? Is his it teacher. Ellie? Is it the teacher? And obviously it's also a reference to um, having to invite a vampire into your house. Um, oh, and that scene, so there's a scene where he doesn't invite her in, he makes her come in anyway, if that makes sense. And again, A, the cinematography is beautiful, but it's just so disturbing in a very... Sad way. Sad, yeah. It is really weird because... It's not like a Twilight vampire where they have to be very neutralised in order for you to feel upset for them. Mm. They take away none of her power and yet you still feel sympathy, mm. which is a really interesting concept. Yeah, I think, it, I think that is aided by the fact that Lena Leanderson, who plays Ellie, is phenomenal in this film. Yeah, she is. Uh, yeah. And there's so many issues with kind of a lot of child acting in a lot of films. And this performance really reminds me of, I don't know if you've seen Room. Yeah, I love Room. And Jacob... Tremblay in room. Yeah. This performance, they remind me of each other where just they are the sole focus of the film and you forget for a minute that she's 12. Yeah. Or, that's very true. And it. You know, I read something really interesting mm. this morning actually. I was looking up oh. about this because 
Um, I was talking to, about this film to my friend, and she said, oh, the vagina scene. And Sorry, this is coming out of left field. <laughs> Sam faces like vaginas. What? No. What? <laughs> um, and I said, no, I don't remember that. What are you talking about? And I was equally baffled. And I looked it up, and it's this scene in the film where half... And this person who wrote the article said, half the people I've talked to don't remember this this scene, and half of them are baffled by it. But it happens. And it's basically, apparently... I don't remember this at all. He goes in while she's changing, and instead of anything down there, he sees, like, this gross, deformed mess of something. And oh, yeah. I looked into this, and apparently... You know when she's... She says at this one point, I'm not a girl, mm. which is a really interesting, you know, idea, like, who is he falling in love with? Is yeah. she a girl? Whatever. And apparently in the book version of this, mm. after they talk about this scene where he sees the, this vampire's genitalia. genitalia, if we can call it that, in the book it refers to the vampire as he from then on, oh, not she. So someone's saying that when she says, I'm not a girl, she's not meaning... I'm a vampire, I'm not a girl. She means I'm a boy, I'm not a girl. Which makes the sexual relationship very interesting. Yeah. Because of, obviously because he's bullied mm. as well. Yeah, I think I think the film, I haven't, re- I haven't read the book, but I think the film does, it doesn't really sexualise their relationship at all. No, not at all, but I'm... I'm Whereas I think the American remake does have that undercurrent of romance on, in yeah. it. But I, I felt it quite interesting given the... I mean, I don't know a lot about it, but the time period mm, that definitely. it's set in, if it's a, not a gay relationship, but a, a relationship between two boys, yeah. I suppose, if, we, if, if it was supposed to be like that in the book, mm. the bullying makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so does the idea of something to do with blood and being like infected by a vampire definitely. in a really dark way. And I think, I think one thing that the film also does really well is it just has kind of this sort of duty of care thing, especially in the character of Ellie's handler. Mm. I think he's really good because obviously he's very matter-of-fact, like, yeah, I'm looking after essentially a child. Yeah. A, an eternal an child. An innocent child who walks around barefoot in the snow of mm. Sweden, which is itself just a really horrible image. I don't know why it's so upsetting it, to see someone barefoot in snow. Where, where, when there are moments when sort of there is just people hanging from trees that she's eating. I know, but like that wasn't the most yeah. disturbing thing. The most disturbing thing, I was like, put your socks on. I, think, I, think, I think that that for me, the film's doing the right thing because it's really making you care for Ellie. Yeah, while she's cutting the throats of people. <laughs> yeah, it's, I I think it's it's really layered and sort of nuanced film and I, I just think I'm it's really magical. glad you made me watch it. And I watched it when I was like, extremely hungover on like a Saturday morning <laughs> and yet still enjoyed it. It's powerful, it. yeah. Yeah. No, it is good. And I have talked about it with other people since, so... Yay! Yay! Success. Okay, so on my film, a complete 180, how did you enjoy The Ten Year Plan? So, um, for those of you who aren't initiated, which will be all of you, The Ten Year Plan is a 2014 film directed by J.C. Calciano. Picture... Any cliche rom-com made gay. Is that fair enough for me to say? Yeah, that's fair enough for you to say. It follows two men, Miles and Brody, who make an agreement to get together if they're still single after 10 years. And then most of the film is taking place in that like kind of final countdown yeah. to the 10 years being up. And 
I watched it very randomly on Netflix while I was having a night in with popcorn on my own, um, as you do. Because mm-hmm. that's what your 20s are for, guys. Oh, 100%. And I love hated it, and I thought I'd share that with you. So, yeah, what are your thoughts? <laughs> you can't see my face now, but I'm in pain. <laughs> this is one of the worst films I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> Every character in it is unlikable. I wanted there to be a flash flood, a plague, a meteor strike, a herd of rampant raccoons that kill everyone in this film, because no one in this film deserves to be happy at the end. Whoa. It is awful. So. But amazing. No. So you have these two one dimension that's that's mean to one dimensional characters that is half mean. dimensional characters do they have any dimensions zero I, dimensional characters i mean one of them has a very prominent nose you can tell from their names though miles and brody no offense to i have friends called miles i don't know why i'm saying this yeah. but brody come on yeah who is called brody and has like a 3d personality in a movie slash tv show funny uh, there, there is a line in this film where they say we're not gay cliches and then they fully both are so you have Miles, who is a serial romantic nester. No, but like, we're not talking, as in, this is more than any rom-com I've ever seen. This is someone who stalks people on LinkedIn, finds out their favourite coffee order, orders it for them before they arrive. Has before their, ever meeting them. Has roses at their first date, or their favourite flower, knows everything about their mother. The great thing is that even though he's doing these psychopathic things, I mean, honestly, if I turned up on a date and a I guy from Tinder or something, run. and a guy was like, oh, I've got you a hazelnut or chocolate ready and waiting for you I'd be like what are you doing, doing. Wh- why are you here run I will away leave. I'd call my friend and be like an emergency oh no panic yeah but the greatest thing is that whenever he complains about not being able to find someone somehow the other characters think what he's doing is normal so they go it's so weird Miles like you're just trying so hard and they are enabling him to be a creep they're bad friends and then you have Brody who is the slutty McSlutterson I kind of love Brody though but who literally if it has a penis a pulse and is above the age of consent Brody will have sex with it um and I mean fair play to the man it just it made me so unhappy this film because I thought they're not gonna do this they're not going to have a gay film where they all go to a go-go bar. Oh, they go to a go-go that bar. That so random. Oh, they're not going to have a scene where they go to a sex shop and buy butt plugs. Oh, they have a scene where they go to a sex shop and buy butt plugs. I quite like that scene. Oh, Miles isn't going to have a female friend who uses him like some sort of man oracle. Oh, wait. Miles has a female friend who uses him like some sort of man you know oracle. I wonder with the go-go bar, because it's in at such a row point. Like... Oh, it's, it's, it's the equivalent of... Um, Central Perk in Friends is this random go-go bar. It makes no sense for them to... They go. It's like serious conversation bulge. It's so so weird. But I do wonder if maybe... I don't know what the director's sexuality is, but potentially had a friend who owned a go-go bar. It's like, this will be cheap to film because it is low budget. I mean, this is an affront to low budget films because there are are low budget films that are fantastic. If you haven't, if you want to see a queer film that is low budget and moving and fun, watch Tangerine. Don't watch this. Oh, okay. I need to watch it. Um, No, but do watch this. No, no, no one should watch this. It's the equivalent of sticking a fork in your foot repeatedly for an hour and a half. That's such a lie. Within 20 minutes, I wanted to stop 
watching this film. It made me so unhappy because the. But right you don't have to. The thing is, I like watching it when I'm doing other stuff. Like I did other stuff on the side. It's not like I gave my full attention. Well, see, it's this is the thing is I couldn't even do that because I just I, something awful would pop up. That's why I love it. No, and it's like the room. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but the room's at least funny. This, this is funny because you think, oh my god, I can't believe these people spent months of their time filming this. I did not laugh once at this film. Not even at it to make fun of it. Like like Showgirls. Showgirls is stupid. Okay. But if I will happily watch that scene in Showgirls where that ginger man shouts the word thrust for about 30 seconds over and over again because it is comedic gold. This wasn't even so bad it's good. It was so bad it's bad. Why is this on my Netflix? <laughs> uh, why have I put myself through this? And okay, no, no, no. Okay, you've been ranted enough. Let's intellectualise it. Let's talk about it. No, first. I've got more to go. Oh it's so dreadful. <laughs> okay, let's intellectualise. Let's intellectualise. Be, be, be objective. It's hard to be objective. It's not like I'm going to re-watch it mm. ever. And I'm not going to be like, oh, kids, if I have kids. Mm. Kids, gather around your, your mother. This is a rite of passage film. You need to watch this. I'm not even going to show it to people. I'm not going to have like dates around and show it to them. Oh my God, can you imagine? If someone said, oh, let's have a date. Let's watch the 10 year plan. I would be out of the door. I wouldn't because that is the ultimate Netflix and chill film. No. You can just chill and not No, because The Birdcage is on Netflix, which is another queer film that is fun and silly. And I mean, it helps that it has Nathan Lane and Robin Williams in the leads, as well as the eternal queen that is Christine Baranski. Yes. And my issue with this film is that it's lazily made. It is. It relies on horrifically bad and also outdated stereotypes that it blows up to the extreme. But don't you think that's every rom-com? I think that's every rom-com, but there's a way that you can do it that's fun. Legally Blonde does it in a fun way. No, because that's subverting stereotypes, as in... Initially Legally Blonde does. I mean, but I mean really rubbish rom-coms that are still enjoyable. I haven't watched enough of those. Well, like 27 Dresses. I haven't seen 27 (gasps) Dresses. You disappoint me. So the writing is bad. The characters are bland and infuriating. The direction is terrible. Because I don't want, when they're having a serious heartfelt talk, to just see someone's crotch in the background. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that I did not buy that they were friends, because I don't get how they were friends at all. I don't get how they were friends, but that was the only bit I kind of thought, do you know what, this is like, I quite like this kind of sweet thing where they support each other and they're such an... I mean, it's so cliche, but like they're an unlikely pairing and yet they support you. I almost kind of wanted them not to get together because mm. I thought it'd be really nice to just be like, ah, oh, these guys are like really good mates. They stick up for each other, but that doesn't mean they have to then end up romantically together almost. I mean, I... Because I, it didn't make sense that they were romantically interested in mm. each other because they're so... Awful. Catastrophically different. I mean, I was I was very much team Meteor at this point. I wrote in my notes. I liked his best friend, the girl. She was the only partially redeeming feature of the whole thing. She was thing. dumb, like not dumb as in stupid, but like a badly written character. Yeah, I think I. But she yeah. was still she still grated on me a lot because she was basically oh my god, you're my gay best friend. It really grated on me. And the straight guy who's like the other guy, because obviously both of them have to have straight friends because that's what happens. Um, Who obviously then must get together. uh, Yeah, naturally. Um, I thought he. Have you ever seen Dexter? Yes. Okay, the like 
Latino guy cop yeah. really reminded me of just a really like third rate version of him. Yeah, it for me it just failed on every level and it wasn't even one of those rom-coms that's sort of a comedic drama. Like the big sick isn't laugh out loud funny. But this wasn't going for that. No, but also This was like lifetime movie kind of. Yeah, but also it wasn't fun. Literally, I would have, had I not had to watch this for this podcast, I would have given up within the first 10 minutes. Oh, see, this is the film that I would watch. I got into watching these kind of films, like, if I was on holiday and suddenly I had a TV in my room for the first time in the ever, it would just be on and you'd be like, oh my god, let's watch it together on like a school trip or something. And it was funny because you were watching it and you were both thinking, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if we switch off halfway because we can predict the ending. Yeah, no, see, I, I wouldn't have even okay. even done that. This <laughs> this is... I'm sorry to give you such a bad one. It's fine, week. it's fine. But this is why we're doing this, is so that you can... To open your worldview. I can make you watch sci-fi and you can make me watch that wreck. <laughs> I'll give you something better. Yes. Yes. Um. So, this week's scores on the doors. We're going to give each episode slash film a score and the person who recommended it also gets a score yeah and then we're gonna make a scoreboard a leaderboard for the best so what is your score for firefly i would say a strong seven because it's well made and i get why people like it but i'm not gonna watch anymore I, I do Firefly 9 i think it's Ooh, it's bumping up the average really there. i think it's just it has so much character development and so much love in it and okay. I do think that it genuinely is an impressive piece of sci-fi. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so League of Gentlemen, I would give a ten. Would you? Actually no, no, I'll give a nine. I'll give a nine. nine. I have more I have comedy that I prefer. I think I think I would give it seven and a half. Okay, fair. Because I think I'm definitely intrigued to watch more of it, but I'm I'm on the fence about whether I'd watch more of it. We may this score may change for the League of Gentlemen Ooh, if I decide to watch more. I don't know if you could do that though. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it seven and a half. Okay. So cool. we're it's it's all it's all very, very just close. above five. Just above five fights. So what would you give let the right one in? Oh, this is really tricky because mm. I appreciate it as a work of art, but it's not like gonna be one of my favourite films. Yeah. Um I'm gonna say an eight. An eight. I think I, I have, think I'm being really generous. I think I have to give that the right one in a nine. Yeah, it's fine. it's just I think it's there are a couple of things that I possibly would say that just give away from give, giving it a ten because I would say it's in my top ten films, but it's in the lower half. Okay. And the ten year plan, what would you give it? I'd give it a strong two. Two. <laughs> I, mean, I can recognise that it's bad. I would give it zero. No one Whoa. should ever watch this Oh my god, this I film. feel like I'm now going to try and beat this as the worst film you've ever oh, watched. Oh, I think, I think this is, this is now a competition because it has to be something that you've seen that is even worse than that. I don't think that's that hard, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I love a really bad film. Fully. So next week, what are we watching? Um, my TV episode I've picked is one of my... I think the show that actually got me into reality TV. Oh, okay. Um, which is America's Next Top Model. And you're starting with the first episode that I started with, which is Series 7, Episode 1. Okay. A rogue place to start. Well, I, no, I think... Like series 7 is a good... I think with reality TV, it doesn't necessarily matter if you watch it in order. Like, you told me when, to, when I started watching Drag Race to start with Series 5. Yeah, weirdly, I started on Series 7 of Drag Race as well. Must be it's 7, a, it's my lucky number. Yeah, weird series to start Drag Race on, though. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. Looking back. 
And for my TV, I'm I'm going big here. I'm gonna ask you to watch the first episode of my favourite TV series ever, which is The West Wing. So much pressure. I, I so much say, pressure if you don't like this. This is my pet, my family's favourite TV show in the world. Oh. I've been really reticent to watch it. But fine. Fine, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna brave it. Yeah. You're in return going to be watching <laughs> Another trashy rom-com film, but trashy also rom-coms. it's better than the 10-year plan, I promise. I mean... How could it not be? I think an ice pick through the eye is more is better that's, than the 10-year plan. That's so rude. Um, <laughs> it's called How to Be Single. <laughs> I was watching this the other week when I was considering going on dates with some guy and my flatmate walked past and was like, I don't think you even want to go on a date, do you? And I was like, maybe this is a subconscious choice. <laughs> but yeah, How to Be Single, starring Rebel Wilson. Okay. Uh, Dakota Johnson, so fun, fun. Yeah, and I, I think I'm gonna go a little bit more light-hearted okay. than I've previously been. So I would like you to watch My Neighbor Totoro. Oh, cute. Okay. Which, I'm forward yeah, to. I just think it's a really sweet film. It's very kind of, it's warm and fuzzy. Yay. Okay. As, as an end, we do we're gonna do a leaderboard wrap up. At the bottom is obviously the piece plan. of cinematic disease that is the 10-year plan. Disease. That's it's harsh. so bad. That's so hard. And then at number one... Five? No, not five. <gasps> League of Gentlemen! No! I picked... It's yeah. not the League of Gentlemen. Oh, it's not the right one in. the right one in. Oh, <laughs> I thought I'd pick both the top and the bottom. No. I'm so pleased with myself. I picked the top. Yes. Oh, well, well no, best? this isn't going to happen. That's because I'm generous with my scores. Right, well, we will see you for the next Christmas episode. Yeah. Make, um, make sure you follow us on all of our social media when you find out for yeah. when our next episode is. We have a Twitter account, which is at Don't Make Me Watch. We have an Instagram, which is Please Don't Make Me Watch. <laughs> I like that. Please Don't Make Me Watch. After so the 10-year plan. I don't know. Okay, we'll end on that. That's just to summarize the episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.